If you don't like the road you're walking, start paving another one. Dolly Parton, you are listening to The Real Estate Investor Show, episode number six. Welcome, ladies, to The Real Estate Investor Show, providing inspiration, strategies, and insight to empower women investors to live balanced and financially free lives. Now, here are your co-hosts, Liz and Andressa. As you guys all know, there are a lot of different ways to build your wealth by investing in real estate, right? Although investing in apartment buildings and multifamily is very hot in the current market, there are investors who still prefer single-family investments. Today, our guest is going to discuss assessing the market, her love for single-family home rentals, her shift to building commercial property, and a restaurant. Today, we're going to interview Jana Weber, who runs a real estate team in Boise, Idaho. She started investing more than 14 years ago with her husband and currently owns a ton of single family homes, as well as a commercial property. She's helped dozens of investors purchase and sell residential investment properties, and she's going to share her story today. Top real estate investors love to talk about how they save so much on taxes, but how are they able to build rental property empires while skirting Uncle Sam? 1031 Exchanges. 1031 exchanges allow you to defer capital gains taxes while you sell an investment property, exchanging your old property for a bigger, better one and avoiding the tax man while you do it. And that's where First American Exchange Company comes in. They're the leaders in 1031 exchanges. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just starting, First American Exchange can help you with simple rental property exchanges, complex commercial real estate investments, reverse exchanges, and more. Don't let your taxes eat into your profits. Visit First American Exchange Company at firstexchange.com. Or call them at 800-556-2520. That's firstexchange.com. Or 800-556-2520. Keep your money in your pocket and propel your portfolio further at firstexchange.com. First American Exchange Company does not provide tax or legal advice. Consult your financial, real estate, tax, or legal advisor about your circumstances. First American Exchange Company. Safe, smart, secure. The dream of owning a vacation home can be daunting. From finding the best guests, to the maintenance, to organizing the cleaners after every guest day. With Vacasa, they make that dream into a reality. As a full-service vacation home management company with vacation homes in key destinations across the U.S., they know a thing about how to make owning a vacation home easy and profitable. On top of proactive property maintenance visits by professional local teams, a hospitality-driven booking platform, and around-the-clock support, Vacasa earns homeowners an average of 20% more revenue from their vacation homes. Vacasa is always thinking of ways to simplify the vacation home owning experience by putting your home to work for you. If you're looking to make more from your vacation home, work with the reliable property manager, and finally have peace of mind, partner with Vacasa at vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. That's vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. Thanks so much for being here, Jonna Weber. We're excited to have you on our show today. I'm so thrilled to be here. This sounds like it's going to be a fantastic podcast and something something for her. I got to love it. Yeah, right? Right? You like the investor. You're going to have fun. <laughs> Uh, Jonna uh, Weber is uh, with Silver Creek Realty Group, and she'll be talking a lot about her company and what she's up to. She's out of Boise, Idaho, and she's got a really neat um, um, blog, but the buzz about Boise. And it just every time I see your, your posts, 
uh, John, I want to invest in, in, in Boise. <laughs> well, come or, on out. I know. Yeah. Or come there. It just always makes me want to like, wow, it's just an awesome market. But um, she's got a lot of neat things to share with us. And, and we're going to kind of jump into it here. Um, and, you know, we want to start today with you to just tell us a little about yourself. Tell us how you got involved in real estate investing. Tell us a little bit about, um, you know, how you began, you know, and, and just to, you know, kind of kick things off that way. Absolutely. Um, I'll keep it real brief, but in a nutshell, um, I'm actually on my third career now, but back when I was in my 20s, I had a a career where I was a corporate meeting and event planner for Fortune 500 companies throughout the world, and that was really fun. And at the time, my husband was really interested in real estate investing and the concept of real estate investing. And I look back and I laugh now because I was just very scared of the concept, and I was like, that's your deal. (laughs) And we did very little at that time because I was um, so, so really scared of anything in the process. Mm. Fast forward a few years and we did do our first investment property and we bought a few investment properties at that time when we were raising small kids. But again, it was just kind of something on the side. Mm. And then something clicked. Uh, It was right in the midst of the recession several Mm. years later. And I just had this thought of, you know, what, what if we could just buy one property and create a little cash flow for ourselves. At the time, we had a very negative cash flow property Mm. through a series of circumstances and just a light bulb click. What about if we took that hundreds of, it was really actually at $1.800 a month we were losing on a property Mm. and sold it and turned it into a property that actually had cash flow and Mm. what might that do for our family? And I don't Mm. know, you know, who or what brought that thought into my mind, but I thought this, this could work. We were at a point in our lives where I was staying at home and we were looking at some, um, some ways that we can earn extra income. And in a nutshell, the journey began there. Wow. So 14 years later, nine rentals that you have right now in a commercial unit. How, how was your, your mentality? You mentioned that you were scared at the beginning. And I think that is such a common feeling between everybody, right? The fear of getting started or making mistakes and things like that. How did you overcome that? Oh, gosh. Well, I had a very patient realtor at the time. I didn't have my real estate <laughs> license, but I mean, I was I was probably a realtor's worst nightmare <laughs> at the time because literally we walked from, I think, three deals that we look back on now and we thought, oh my goodness, if we would have owned them today, what a different um, circumstance we might have. So it, it took time. Um, I overthought things. I was listening to people that said we had to have huge amounts of cash flow and mm. turned away from deals. And to answer your question, the way we got over it is we just finally had to say yes. The offer was was too much in front of us. Um, my husband basically said, Jonna, we're doing this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we jumped in. And you know what? I tell people all the time, the first deal is the hardest. And it's not going to be perfect, but it's going to get you rolling. And, and then you just build up a tolerance and, and it becomes fun. How did you choose your like focus area? How did you choose your market? Was it where you lived? Was it something that you, was it close to home, far away from home? 
It was very much um, what came simple to us, and that was looking at things really close to home yeah. and what we knew. So not only did we pick someplace close to home, but it was a home that we would have lived in, and it was even the same schools as my our children were attending. Mm-hmm. It was very, very familiar, and that's that's just the route that we that we decided to go with. Yeah, you touched on a good point about being simple, right? Because when we talk about building wealth, it's such a large uh, and complex concept that sometimes it prevents people to getting started. So if you were to point like your top three uh, deal breakers on a, on a rental when you are analyzing one, what would mm. you say? The top three deal breakers? Yeah, what, what are the things that you will be um, far from? Um, well, deal breakers, let's see. Again, there were some that we should have pulled the trigger on that we didn't. But to this day, I think some deal breakers for us would be um, kind of the litmus test on, as a woman, am I comfortable walking into this property in the evenings Mm -hmm. and and showing property? And do I feel safe? That was really, really important. There was one we actually were in escrow on that we had horrible lighting and it was not in the best part of town and we just ultimately didn't didn't go forward with that property um a second one would be if it just didn't cash flow at all you know we didn't have huge requirements for cash flow but back when um there was the real estate boom you would see a lot of speculative investors investing in something that actually had negative cash flow so that was obviously mm-hmm. a deal breaker and then the third one um this is even above and beyond, and this is just for for my husband and I's strategy. Is we we if all if everything broke loose and we had to go live in the rental property, is it something we could live in? And and the answer that's a was good point. Yes, on the ones that we decided to buy. So different strategy from from a lot of people I know, but it works for us. And I feel like we've attracted really strong tenants because of because of that last uh, rule. Hmm. So you have the, the single family portfolio and then you transition. When did you buy the commercial property? Tell us a little bit about the commercial that you, property that you have. Because that's, sure. that's a leap. You know, I even know in our own portfolio, we own uh, mostly residential. And then we have a couple commercial. And it's a whole different strategy, right? Different mindset, different type of tenant. Uh, you know, it's just, it's interesting. It's a shift. So I'm curious why you made that shift. And also tell us a little bit about the, the property and what, what yeah. uh, inspired you guys to, to move ahead with it. Absolutely. That was actually um, something that just kind of came about in 2016. Mm-hmm. And we had an opportunity to purchase a property with an existing uh, business in place. Mm-hmm. And it actually is a restaurant that we bought ownership as well. We don't mm-hmm. actively manage the restaurant, but we've got ownership in the in the restaurant. But most excitingly for me as a uh, investor and, and realtor is that it happened to come with some great prime land Hmm. and building, of course, but in a very, very um, progressive area of town that's growing rapidly. And so although there's just the one building on it right now, there is potential for more growth Hmm. on that very property. And so that's just something that we're excited about in the future. And in the meantime, we're maintaining the existing business that it has and then um, just watching literally apartment buildings and retirement centers and townhouses going up all around it right now. So it was a bit of a speculative move related to what's coming to the area, but it was a a great opportunity and we made that leap. Hmm. That said, I, 
from just a, a pure enjoyment standpoint, I still love single family properties. Mm. And if given the opportunity, when the market shifts just a little bit, I anticipate we'll be buying more of those because that's really, as a realtor and um, as a property manager, it's it's something that I really enjoy. Mm. What do you enjoy think, about it most? I'm sorry, Andressa. No, go ahead. Well, um, sounds cliche, but I do like houses. <laughs> I enjoy <laughs> the search for the houses and creating a space that's comfortable yeah. for other people to live in. Um, and going back to the simplicity, I enjoy the simplicity with a single family house. Some people don't really think this much when they think this through much with they compare it with multifamily, but single family uh, tenants typically pay for all the utilities, all the maintenance related to the outside landscape, snow removal, all that good stuff. So there's some joy in the simplicity mm-hmm. of single family houses. Hmm. It's true. Beautiful. I think that when when you when you are an investor, but you also um, have your real estate license, it's kind of like a great combo. And um, I know you work with a lot of investors um, in in your area. Um, and as you said, you were one of the most uh, difficult clients for yours. I for sure was one of the most difficult clients for mine as well. (laughs) So what tips can you give to those folks that are, are not, are beyond thinking about investing in real estate, but are looking for other markets and have a, a solid commitment with the real estate? What, what can you tell them, uh, about Boise? Oh man, I love this town. Um, I have, I'm not a native to Boise. I grew up in San Diego, California, and then went to finish high school and went to college up in North Idaho. But I've been here pretty much since the nineties, um, spent a couple years on the East, uh, North, North Carolina and, but moved back just because we absolutely love it. And Boise is one of those populations that is growing, um, at a, incredible pace right now. Most of our clients that are coming are coming from out of state and they're coming primarily from California, Oregon, Washington, mm-hmm. and, and several other states as well. But uh, yeah, I do talk to Californians every single day and people are choosing and not just to invest, but to live here. And that's a big difference. It used to be more, we would just talk to people coming here to speculatively purchase in Boise, but they are actually moving here right now. Mm-hmm. So it's a really interesting market to be in. We don't necessarily have a um, rule for cash flow, if we can get into what that means, or something that you might see in the Midwest, but we've got an incredible opportunity with businesses moving in, with our university growing, and just people flat out moving here for quality of life, some of which even commute to California every week. So that's been interesting to watch. They'll they'll hop on the nonstop flight on Monday and come back on Thursday night or Friday. You know, it's interesting about the market, you know, and People are always asking, you know, and Jessica gets this question a lot. So do I just, you know, we're active in a lot of groups and bigger pockets and just our everyday real estate investing kind of career and what have you. But people are always asking, how do you choose a market? You know, and how do you and how do you how do you become how do you know what's going to happen? And, you know, there's only so much you can know about a market, especially when you don't live there. And, you know, so, you know, you work with a lot of investors and that's one of your clientele as, as a as a realtor and as your, you know, with your real estate license. What steps do you help them through as, as an investor? And, and I'm sure, you know, you, you're helping them obviously, you know, look at property once they've made the decision to go with to go into Boise and what have you. But even taking a step back, right, how, how do you help 
an, an investor, active investor, you know, think through, you know, where do they really want to invest? Because there are so many things that come out about the fastest growing cities, the lowest crime, right. there's, you know, and then there's C-class markets, there's A-class markets, and, you know, there's so right. many different types of markets. So I'm curious what you, what your processes or what, how do you help some of those folks that come to you and may not even know why Boise, they just, they just want to invest there. So... Yeah, it, it is interesting. You know, I think it comes down to, first of all, narrowing their focus. Not only do I hear sometimes like, well, I'm thinking about Boise, but I also hear, well, I'm thinking about either flipping or buying hold or multifamily mm. or single family or commercial or residential. Right. <laughs> You're like the whole spectrum. And then it's right. like, okay, let's focus. Let's narrow down one bite at a time, right? And and help them. Um, before I even talk about the returns we're able to offer in Boise, I usually help them narrow it down to what they're looking for to see if we even are in the ballpark of what is realistic and what they can truly find here in Boise. Mm. And what we're finding in our market right now is if you're, and this would be for any market, um, that they need to really look at to see how long term they're thinking. Mm. And because in our case, our market is a play where you need to be here for the long term and you're buying for the future and what's happening in the path of progress um, here in Boise, not for a huge cash flow tomorrow. So um, we just typically work together and this would be in any market anyone's looking at. They need to narrow down and see what their their real non-negotiables are for what they're going to invest in and if that market offers it. And if so, we can guide them through the next steps of doing their research. You know, you, you say that makes a ton of sense. And, and you're, you're, what you're saying makes it makes so much sense that, you know, when you've talked to a realtor that they have no clue about working with investors, <laughs> that they pretty much say everything opposite of what you just said, you know, I or they just take it. they have yeah, no clue. I take it. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a great investment. They I'm, always say, you know, I'm curious, yeah. like, because we've had this experience, um, you know, my husband's a, my husband's actually a realtor, technically a realtor, um, and I'm not. But we tend to work with realtors who are very investor friendly. And what do you find to be like the, you know, the quickest sign for investors, you know, women investors out there when they're working with a realtor that is just not, they're not investor friendly? Like what, what is a quick way for, you know, the women out there when they're meeting realtors, they're, they're to figure going, that out. Yeah, to figure it out. Like, you know, they'd be great to just wear, you know, to have a sign on them, but they don't. And, and then they'll just take sometimes business and you're like, and then you spend now, we've been in the business for a while. We, we know who tends to be what they'll start saying. We're like, yeah, they're not investor friendly, so to speak. But how do you, what would you say, mm-hmm. you know, Jono, to the, the investor out there who wants to find realtors who are investor friendly? They're not all investor friendly. That, that is true. Um, and not, not knowledgeable. That's for sure. You know, I think just some simple questions at the beginning of, let's say if they're looking for a buy and hold rental property and they ask the, the realtor what the, the rent to price ratio is on that and what the, you know, what the, the rental vacancy rate is in that area or, um, you know, what, if they can recommend property management companies, um, you know, or what suppliers or contractors they'd recommend using for, for doing the rehab that's needed before that rental property goes live, you know, just, just testing their knowledge a little bit and not in a, in a snooty way, but just, these are real specific questions that you're going to need to get answered, Mm -hmm. particularly if you're investing from out of area. 
I mean, that's mm-hmm. huge. Um, they should definitely have some great resources for you. And if you're investing in area, you know, I think you could probably find really quickly in the first few houses that you go into is the realtor talking about the 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 rental um, advantages that this market, mm-hmm. ha- you know, this particular home has that's going to appeal to a wide variety of rentals. Are they are they just gaga about the granite, you know, countertops? I mean, there's there's a difference. Yeah, and I, I've also found that it's the realtors who don't know that they're you know after repair value, especially when you're flipping properties. You know they'll be mm, they'll be right. like, now well, yeah. foreclosures really hit us hard in this community, and properties are going for X, and you're like, that doesn't make any sense if the house is <laughs> fixed up, and you know that kind of thing. And pe- I feel like that's a good sign when people start giving you know they give excuses before they even answer the question. I remember that when when we started, we were in a neighborhood. And, and the realtor was like, oh, welcome to graduate hospital. I was like, you must be insane right now because we are not in graduate hospital. Oh, we are in the area. village. Yeah. <laughs> we oh. are a completely separate thing. So one thing that I always look for investor friendly is not those that, are, you know, friendly to the sense that I don't care if they buy me a coffee or not. I always ask them if they invest. Mm. because then they will they will understand my mindset and if they are not investing there it's kind of why you're not investing you're not getting it or what's what's the point behind it I want to have to I want to work with somebody that also has the same mentality Jonah you're a perfect example of it you guys starting investing prior of you becoming a a realtor. So it gives you the background, the skin in the game. How was that transition for you? Oh, it was, it was good. (coughs) Excuse me. Um, It's funny because the majority of our rentals that we love today, we all purchased before we got, I got my license. Hmm. And so that was right about the time the market was starting to go up uh, a little bit. So, um, it was, it was a welcome relief to be able to check my own MLS and, and check the comps on our own. But like I said, after that time, I didn't, um, I didn't, we didn't purchase a couple, any more rental properties for like two years after I got my license. So I don't know. It's kind of it was just, and then I got all excited about growing my real estate agent business and I got, I got unfocused on investing. And you know what? That brings up a point. I get asked often whether if people are investing, whether they should get licensed. And people mm. have different answers about that. But mm-hmm. I found, for first of all, the real estate schooling and getting your license has nothing to do with learning how to invest. And people need oh, to understand yes. that. Yes. And so <laughs> I truly think for the majority of people, they're best if they're just buying ones and twosies and they're not a huge fix and flip operation, I see it would probably be a better advantage just to find that really strong realtor on their team and focus on learning how to truly invest well and manage those properties or flip those properties. Yeah, that's a great point. It's it's two different animals, having your license and being a realtor and being an investor as far as the skill sets that are needed, in my opinion. Mm Mm-hmm. I wanted to shift gears a little bit. You've been married for 20 years. You have two teenagers, a business owner. My goodness. How do you be it all? How do you handle everything? 
<laughs> Give us the secrets. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, that, thank you. That's that's really great to for you to acknowledge. And I think one thing that's important is to realize I haven't done it all full tilt at the same time. Mm. Um, for instance, when my kiddos were little, I was primarily like when they were preschool age and, and babies. I was primarily home with them, and that was a big blessing. Um, I know that not everyone has that that luxury at the time we just had a few rentals when they were little and so those were simple to manage and I did some consulting and and that sort of thing but I wasn't trying to do everything I'm trying to do today Mm. um and then like we mentioned I did most of our primary investing and purchasing and learning how to manage those properties prior to having a license Mm -hmm. so once the once one area of your life gets up and rolling and on wheels You know, there's certain things you can put into place where it's like, okay, I've got this down. Now I can add something else to the plate. So it wasn't trying to do everything all at once. Um, I've got a really supportive husband. He does travel and has always traveled extensively. So it's forced me to be really independent and also um, help me. Uh, I don't want to make this come out wrong, but I've always had flexible hours. Like sometimes it's been a real bummer. He's been on the road, but even when the kids were in elementary school, they would go to bed and I would do work after they went to bed and and got that done. And that was my time, but my Mm -hmm. husband was on the road, so I wasn't sacrificing time from him. So we just did little things that, that really made it work. And, um, we're really diligent. I'm working to be very, very diligent to work as hard as I can and as efficiently as I can while they're in school to this day. And, and that's important. And some, I, I can't do the three hour yoga class that takes time <laughs> to, you know, your whole morning. I, I've got to get my work done and get out of there because we've got, we've got football and basketball and volleyball games to attend after school. Mm, there we go. You, you say something, you said something that's really, I think, really helpful on a lot of different levels, but you said, once I mastered one thing, I went, you know, once I got something down, I went to the next thing. And I think that's so helpful, even in investing, as well as balancing your personal Oh, gosh, absolutely. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, there's so many specific, not only about being a a great mom and a great wife, but it's different than than investing. So so how do you how do you do it all? But you're right, it's it's about you know, getting used to one thing and getting good at it and getting into kind of like a little bit of a flow and then adding something into it that's new. It's so you can only handle so many new things at once. I think that's a really it's a really great point for for, you know, using that for a lot of different ways. And and if people are getting started with single family home investing, just stick to single family home investing until you get really, really good at it. And then add multifamily or then add mobile parks. That was our biggest mistake was we added all these new things all at once. And, you know, we're, we're still we're still actually feeling the effects of that. Now we've done made a lot of great choices since then and focused on multifamily and what have you. But that makes a difference yeah. when you focus. It, it's huge. And um, I just want to make mention, of, I love that point um, about your, you know, being able to do it in your personal life as well. Um, how did you move through the guilt when you, when you started to transition, your kids got a little older, you got a little mm-hmm. more into, you know, you had some, you had some rentals, you know, I think as, as women, whether you're a mom, you're not a mom, married or not married, you, we have this like innate guilt. We just walk around with as, as women. 
I, I, I don't know if that's just a generalization, oh, but yeah. I just, I, there's not many women I know that would say, no, no, I have none of that. Um, but we need to interview them on the show if we, if there are yeah. out there. <laughs> yeah. So how did you move through that when you had, you know, you had young kids, you were doing stuff at night, you know, yeah. um, you wanted to have your hand, um, you have an entrepreneurial spirit. You probably had it then too. How did you, oh, yeah. how did you manage that? That doesn't just go away when you have, you have kids like, oh, I'm not going to worry about that anymore. Like, so how did you reconcile that you know as a young mother as well as wanting to um you know do the best you can with the rental properties you had and also begin eventually to start your own you know you know as a realtor and your you know brokerage so to speak so i'm curious how did you navigate that that's a that's a great question and i think that's something that we all struggle with as moms amen (laughs) it's it's never a, a perfect answer i think in the last five years since I've become a realtor, you know, that's been more challenging than ever, even though the kids, you know, technically I don't need to get a babysitter for them, but mm-hmm. I also recognize how quick their their lives are going, right? And how soon they'll be out of the nest. And, and that has hit me hard. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I do now um, that I don't feel bad about at all is I put – in fact, just this morning, I, I got my kids' basketball schedules for both of their teams. They're both in high school basketball, tons of games, tons of practices. I gave all the schedules um, to my personal assistant, my executive assistant that I have for real estate, and we put them all in my calendar this morning. And those are appointments, and those are hard and fast appointments in my schedule, and I put that in first mm. before I scheduled my client meetings. Good, bad, or indifferent. I know not every realtor would do that. They pride themselves on being available 24-7. But, you know, I, I don't want regrets when my kids go to college. I want to be there for those games, and that's a priority that I've created. And you've got to pick a few things that are big that you've got to put into your, into your schedule first to make sure that those happen. Otherwise, that time's going to get eaten up, and you're not going to be at those events, for example. Um my husband and I prioritize date nights when we can, you know, little things like that. Big getaways aren't a thing right now for us, but, but just making sure it, you know, you hear that all the time, prioritize your family first, but I'm really working to put that into practice right now to make sure that, that, that I feel good about making those decisions. That's a good point. Prioritizing. What, what are those priorities? What are those big rocks? Put them there first. There we go. So what has been the biggest investing challenge you've had? And how did you overcome it? Whether it was a, a rental property went, you know, craziness happened there or a deal that fell through or you're like you were talking a little bit about the, the, ca- the cash flow issue, the negative cash flow or what has been probably your biggest challenge as an investor and how have you and your husband moved through it or how have you moved through it? Hmm, that's a great question. Um, well, I think I alluded to this at the beginning. We did have a property that it was actually our primary residence that we had held on to for way, way too long after we moved out of an area. And at one time we were bleeding $800 a month on it. Mm, and wow. it was a combination of a pride thing <laughs> and just like, okay, can we get out from this without uh, being underwater? Mm. You know, that that sort of thing. And then on top of that, we had a really, probably in all of our history, our most challenging tenant that was in there that was not paying rent mm-hmm. for a while. And um, little things like had no dog on the lease, but then we'd get angry calls from neighbors, 
saying, your tenant's dog is in our lawn. And I'd say, no, he must be mistaken. Our tenant doesn't have a dog. And it was was a really stressful time. And it was located about 30 minutes from our house. And so we're going back and forth all the time. And we were just tired. Um, We almost just gave up and moved back into the property. And ultimately, we did not want to live in that community anymore. So we decided to pull the trigger. And we happened to pull the trigger at the worst timing possible for what we can get out of that property. It was 2011. Mm. Um, We all know what that market was like. And uh, it was painful. We knew that we could have sold that property for $300,000 more just a few years earlier. And um, yeah, we went ahead and did it. I was a little bit of basket case throughout the process because it was painful, but it was the best thing that happened to us. So, I mean, just have faith in the process, I would mm. say too, because we did, we'd had a little bit of equity in there and we did pull it in and purchased our first really, truly cash flowing property right after we sold that. And, and ultimately we're going to be so happy that that happened. We already are, but it was hard at the time. Oh, I can't imagine just to let the pride go in order to gain other, you know, possibilities available for you guys. Yeah. And I think that's yeah. a helpful point for, for our listeners, too, is that you have to be in this for the long haul. You're not going to hit a home run every time. And whether you're in this business for a few years or like 12 years or 20 years, you're going to hit singles. You're going to strike out. You just don't want to strike out a whole lot and you don't, you want to have more <laughs> home runs. I mean, but you're going to have singles. You're going to be, we talk a lot about, I like the, I like baseball. So my husband and I talk a lot about like analogy. Well, you know, I said like, is this a single or is this a home run? He's like, this is a single relax. You know, and we talk a lot about <laughs> language just, uh, and sometimes, you know, we strike out, we still do that and that's okay. It's just, you have to be able to move through the strikeouts like you're saying and, and learn from it and move through it. So. Um, you know, we have a term um, just in the business, we, we were striving to improve 1% a day. Hmm. And it's 1%. <laughs> you know, it's little. And sometimes you go through at the end of the day and you're like, did we do anything? Did we progress? You know, but if you're moving in the right direction and, and that could apply to your first purchase too, it may not be that home run, but it, it may, you may get you on the first base, right? That's right. Yeah. yeah. So, um, Tell us a little bit about, tell us the listeners a little bit about your, um, you got a really neat uh, ebook. Um, Jonna, you have a uh, buzz, I think it's called the Buzz About Boise ebook, right? And you're, you know, just really being able to educate um, people out there about not just the area, but, you know, just how to get involved and tell, tell the listeners a little bit about that. Tell them a little bit about um, if they want to reach out to you or, or stay in touch with you or learn more about sure. what you're up to, how they can do that, um, if you don't mind. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, we do have, like you alluded to, Liz, we've got a website called buzzaboutboise.com, and that has a link to an ebook that we created about either moving to or investing in Boise. Uh, obviously, that's very Boise centric. Uh, and if you're just interested in in real estate or anything related to myself or our real estate company, we our website is johnnaweber.com. People, you're Anyone is free to email me anytime at jonna at jonnaweber.com. I can help however I can. Um, even if it's a question about balancing as a mom, you know, I'd love to talk. I love to help however I can. It hasn't been perfect, but uh, it's it's been a fun ride. And then I'm very involved in Facebook, just at Jonna Weber. And then I've got Jonna Weber Real Estate is my Facebook page for, for business as well. 
Perfect. Perfect. So our, our fabulous three questions to ask you. Are you I ready? Are you ready? But For, hold on, Liz. Oh, what, what, what did I miss? What is, what is that? What is that? This so, fab question. So yeah. the, the, the fabulous is just a, a let's, let's be honest, it's a feminine word. It was funny. Um, I listened to a bunch of podcasts and my, I had it on like the, um, I had the speaker on. So my husband comes in the kitchen one time and these, these women, I, every other word she was using was fabulous. She goes, and he goes, this is not a podcast for men, is it? I said, no, it actually really isn't. It's a, it was more of like a spiritual type of podcast, but it was just cute because the woman just kept using fabulous. And he's like, this this podcast turns me off. I don't like the word fabulous. I would never say the word fabulous. So I said, well, what word can we use for our-, our Oh, I didn't know our, that. I'm going to yeah. call him fabulous. Yeah, you should totally, I'm next go, time you talk I'm to him, right? <laughs> I'm doing that. So, um, so we ask every um, guest, oh, you know, these, these three fabulous questions and- and, you know, again, we're trying to learn strategies and, and tips from these great women, but we're also learning what, what, what their mindset is and, and what they do and what, how they think so they can um, live a more balanced and, and financially free life. So first question is, what is the most transformational book you've ever read? Hmm. Okay. So many, but one that's, I actually brought it here so I wouldn't rem- forget the name. I read it several years ago, but I followed him for years Chris Gillibo, mm. uh, The Art of Nonconformity, Set Your Own mm. Rules, Live the Life You Want, and Change the World, mm. has nothing to do with real estate, but it was transformative for me. Um, we didn't get into this, but I had a short tent stint uh, teaching school, mm. so I found myself in a very kind of traditional position. And this book was just a great page turner for me just to remind myself that we can set our own rules and live the life that we want. Mm -hmm. And there was an analogy in there about um, you could either spend 50,000 on a new SUV or you could spend 50,000, do anything else, anything you want in the world. And in his case, it was traveling to every country in the world. And that was just like big for me. And I translated into I could spend 50,000 and and get a rental property and change our future <laughs> versus buying that new car. I still don't have that new car, but we've got the rental property, so it's working out well. So uh, the second question is, what's the most powerful routine you have to create to be able to have a financially free and balanced life? Could go many places with this, but I think right now what I'm doing that I really enjoy, I've been doing for several years, but I've gotten more into the last couple of years is I attend this incredibly fun dance fitness class. So it sounds like maybe a mm-hmm. not not a financially changing answer, but you know what it is such a good de-stressor for me. And not only has it helped, of course, with fitness and of course my incredible rhythm, but um <laughs> It's just the most dynamic group of women from all walks of life that I've become friends with. We go on retreats together. We build each other up and we help each other shine. It's called Shine Dance Fitness. Hmm. And and just really encourage one another. And we've been together now for seven, eight years. And so we've gone to some funerals, gone one girlfriend lost her son. I mean, some heavy stuff and some really fun times too. And that's really helped me find balance outside of the work life for sure. It's been huge. I encourage anyone to find a, a tribe outside of their business to there you go to grow with. Hmm. Awesome. Love it. So what female, and she could be dead, alive, famous, not famous, doesn't matter, but what female has inspired you the most? 
That's my grandma, Grandma Hazel, and she passed away, I think, in 2009, so it's been a while. But she lived till age 96, but the biggest thing about her is I, I don't believe I ever heard her complain in her life, and she used to go on positive diets where she, she would challenge herself <laughs> not to say anything negative for 30 days at a time, and I don't know how she did it, man, but she was a, a woman of strength and just a great role model. And a woman ahead of her time. I mean, that, that was before... It became yeah. cool to think positively, right? I mean, that's pretty. That's pretty neat. <laughs> yeah, she would, you, positive you would diet. Her. I'm taking this. Well, yeah, me. I need to need to start tomorrow. Um, <laughs> well, Jonna, thank you so much for being with us today, and thanks so so much for sharing all your great tips and, and thoughts for the for the listeners out there, women who are aspiring investors or current investors and just looking to grow their their wealth, but they're also looking to do it in a, you know, peaceful and, and, and balanced way as well. So so thanks so much for, for joining us and being being part of this. Oh, it was fun. It was a pleasure. And I am excited to, to hear more about this podcast and to really um, learn from other women that join you on this. This is going to be fun. I would like to thank you, Jonah, for being here with us. And I also would like to thank all of you that are listening. It was a pleasure. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to receive updates on our next interviews, go to our website, therealestateinvestor.com. There, you can subscribe to our show, become part of our investor community, and get updates on upcoming episodes. If you like our show, please share it with other women who would benefit. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. And as always, we encourage you to take one action as a result of today's show and put it into motion so you can live both a financially free and balanced life. Thanks for spending time with us. Ciao.